writers starting in like now. Good afternoon. You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. You've got living writers and I'm T. Hetzel. Today, we go back into the Living Writers Archives to the year 2013, when Nikki Giovanni was visiting Ann Arbor. Nikki came to the studio, and we had the conversation that you'll soon be hearing. Last week in Chicago, Nikki Giovanni was awarded the Ruth Lilly Poetry Prize for 2022 as part of the Pegasus Awards. Her fellow recipients include Sandra Cisneros, C.A. Conrad, Rita Dove, Juan Felipe Herrera, Angela Jackson, Haki R. Madhubuti, Sharon Olds, Sonia Sanchez, Patti Smith, and Arthur Sees. What a great year for poetry, the 2022 Pegasus Awards. I'm T. Hetzel. I hope you enjoy the program ahead with Nikki Giovanni. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon. You've got living writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and today I'm so happy to have in the studio with me Nikki Giovanni. Nikki, welcome to Living Writers. Thank you. It's it's so good to have you at WCBN. I'm, I'm really <laughs> glad to be in Ann Arbor. Thank you. Um, have have you been through Ann Arbor um, oh, yeah. like a bunch of times, or do you have some sort of like the history of with Ann Arbor? <laughs> oh well, you know everybody comes to Detroit, you know, yes. because of civil rights movement. But I used to come to Ann Arbor a lot. I've been, uh, I teach at Virginia Tech in um, Blacksburg, and I've been doing that for the last 26 years, so I haven't traveled as much. But previous to that, you know, I, I, um, I hate to say it that way, but I sort of earned a living speaking of colleges. So, you know, and Ann Arbor was one of our stops. We always enjoyed it. There's also Ypsilanti. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I used to always mess up the Ypsilanti. <laughs> yeah. But I would drive. I had a 1960 Volkswagen. Oh. And uh, I would drive up here, you know, put the kid in the back and, uh, <laughs> and drive on. There's, yeah. it, was it a bug? Was it, it was a little bug. It was The people mover, right? There's like yeah. no place it can't go. It was, well, it was $600. It was, um, it, it, and I used to smoke, which I don't. I mean, I haven't smoked in forever. But uh, it was the Volkswagen just before they put the uh, cigarette lighter in. So I got to meet all of the truck drivers because I had a a, a, a roof, a, a sunroof. And I'd have to pull the sunroof back and I'd wig a cigarette and the truck drivers would try to drop the, uh, a match in. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, those are good days. Those, <laughs> yeah. those are. And then, yeah. and you'd be, and, and so when you were also coming to like uh, Ann Arbor, you also said going to Detroit and for civil rights. Oh, sure. Uh, um, well, you know, in Detroit, and, you had Aretha, of course, but you yeah. also had Motown when, you know, when Motown was really doing it. And you had uh, uh, Reverend Clegg. And, of course, Reverend Clegg was a great uh, spiritual leader of the, you know, his church was. And so, you know, you had, I mean, Detroit was a center. And I'm a Cincinnatian by, uh, I'm a Knoxvillean by birth. But I grew up in uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, And so Cincinnati is straight up uh, 75. You just, you know, shoot straight up. And, and, you know, if you were in a mood, you'd go to Cleveland and then shoot over. uh, Or sometimes Toledo. But, uh, you know, we were on the road all the time. I think that you talk to anybody my age, and I'm 70, by the way, uh, you, you know, we, we spent all of our time on the road. You know, we were... Uh, and, and a community of people that moved oh, yeah. from city to city and, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and touching base with activists and, well, sh- and artists. Sure, you drop down uh, 75 South and, and you're in Atlanta. Right. Yeah. And of course, you're going to go through Chattanooga, the home of uh, Ishmael Reed and them. And so you can do that. Or if you needed to do something, you know, for whatever reason, you, you could uh, essentially make a left hand, well, that'd be a right hand turn. And you'd go over to Nashville because it's like going on Nashville. Or you go over to Memphis. And then from Memphis, of course, you shoot down into Mississippi. So there was a, this is a lot, go, you know, those were. Those were difficult times for the country, and they were difficult times for for the for all of us, for for black people and I'm sure white people. But black people paid a bit of a higher price during that time. And uh, one of the things we were trying to do is just change the country. And uh, I'm I'm really I'm proud of my generation. I think we did a good job. Nikki, before we go any further, I well, me too, me too. <laughs> for one, I would. Like, um, but we've got on the the table before us your latest um, your latest book chasing utopia a hybrid yeah um wonderful and this is so you're currently on a book tour and it mm-hmm. brings you to nicola's um in bookshop tonight so right. at seven people can come and see you and you're going to read some poems and sign talk some about books the, yeah oh anything i and again i'm just an old-fashioned community kind of organizer i don't think you're old-fashioned though <laughs> no, 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 you know you're an organizer yeah but chasing utopia uh, it's a book very close to my heart because my um, my mom died and I'm in so 2005. So Thank you. I mean, I, I keep acting like it was recent, and but actually, your mother dying is always going to be feels, recent. Right. And I wrote a book called Acolytes, which uh, Acolytes is a very pretty book and it won some awards, and I'm I'm very proud of it. But Acolytes was my mourning. And you finally just say to yourself, you know, I have to stop. I did a lot. Well, it's a longer story if you have a minute, but. Oh, we do. Mommy, um, I, I think that mommy died because my sister Gary had a brain tumor. And I think mommy didn't want to bury her. And uh, too, um, Nikki, that's sure. what they told me, but that's not what I was seeing. I I, I'm just going to deal with what I thought. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and so Gary, we knew, was going to die. Uh, the Giovannis have not lived past 65, so my Watson genes have kicked in because my father, his sister, my, you know, you know, the Giovannis all die. The Watsons live forever. My aunt Agnes is 91, and, and we're getting ready. You know, we went to Antarctica last year. <laughs> so we had that thing. But Mommy was was dying, and she did. She died June uh, uh, 24th in, in 2005, and then Gary died on August the 10th. So like that. And then my Aunt Anne died in October. And then my friend 
Rosa Parks died at the end of October. So it was really just a vet, you know, and I have to laugh about it like that, but I am a responsible individual. That's one. Of, if, if somebody said, what's the one thing people don't know about you? I said, I'm responsible. So I had a lot to do between mommy's death and 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 aunt, my, we, we call Anto, we call my aunt Anto, and I had a lot of things to do, and then I had friends that I was burying, so it was very sad. But I got it done, and when I got things done, I said to myself, "Well, now you can mourn because it just you know you don't have time." I never did understand that people are wailing, you know, you got things to do, you don't have time. So now I finished, and I did a thing that I'm not going to necessarily recommend, but now that everybody's gone, everybody, I've done what I can do. I you know would get up at ten o'clock, you know, straighten the house, do whatever. I'm doing, grab a glass of Chardonnay and go sit down on the deck, you know. And then about three o'clock, I would switch to red. And <laughs> well, I had earned my morning. Come on now. You know, and everybody's like, you should be strong. I didn't want to be strong. I wanted to be weak and sad. And finally, though, I have a dog. Her name is Alex. And finally, one morning, I was walking out with my Chardonnay, and Alex looked at me. And I don't know if you're a dog person, but Alex had that again. You could just and, see it in her eyes. Yeah, again, yeah. I thought, Alex, you're right. I, I, I can't go on. You're right. I'm embarrassing my dog, and you're not allowed to embarrass your dog. So I said to Alex, why don't my mother drink a beer? Every day that I knew her, my mother drank a beer. So I said to Alex, why don't we just drink a beer for the old girl and, and you know, see if we can pull ourselves together? <laughs> and I got to share, you know, I don't like beer. And I know that, you know, I know where I am. I'm in college town. I know everybody, but I don't like beer. So I decided what I would do is go to my local bookstore and get the beer book and see what is the number one beer in the world. The number one beer is, of course, Utopia. It's a Sam Adams beer. You taught me that. I just read your essay that's available on the Poetry Foundation <laughs> oh, website, okay. which is I was just like, I can't wait. I was already, I can't wait to meet and talk with you, Nikki. But then I read this and I thought, oh, beer. But please, no, I mean, that's our, like our listeners. Well, you see, but Utopia is only done every other year. And fortunately for me and my book, it was done in 13. Uh, previously, it was in 11. The next one will be 15. It's not. It's just done every other year. And Utopia is $350 a pint. So it's not, you know, you don't really run to your local uh, Whole Foods and pick up Utopia. Right. <laughs> so, Although now if they're listening, they will be trying to get it at your local Whole Foods. Um, <laughs> I don't think Sam, because Sam makes so so little of it. And so I couldn't believe it was Sam Adams, too. Something inside yeah. me was like, that cannot be the best. Because I don't know. Sam Adams is great, but I was just like, oh, I don't well, know. Utopia's number one. You. There's a Japanese beer, um, Saffone or something like that. I really forget Sapporo? Uh, which is two. Oh. And Red Stripe is three. And oh, Red Stripe is red, the Jamaican. The, yeah, that, that one yeah. I'm, I'm very familiar yeah, with. And you can find Red Stripe. Uh, you don't find the Japanese beer that often. And finding Utopia. <laughs> <laughs> and the accident of the name, the happy yeah. accident. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Because I was doing a radio station on this tour. And um, the lady, she was Canadian, said, you know, uh -huh. we're so excited to have you because, you know, we want to talk about Utopia. I said, well, it's the number one beer. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> and she said, no, we're talking about the spiritual world. I said, no, ma'am, Utopia, someone has misunderstood. <laughs> Utopia is a beer. You drink it. <laughs> so. so when you finally got to drink yeah. it? No, I haven't drunk what, it yet because I'm waiting. Okay. And I was going to, but um, I, I was in Africa. That's a long Everything in my life right now seems to be a long story. But I, I have a student, Kwame Alexander, who's a great kid. And he does literacy in, uh, in Ghana. 
And so he had a conference in um, Accra, and he called me, and he he called me, you know, a while ago, and he said, Nick, I need a a keynote speaker for my conference. I said, Kwame, because he's a great kid. I really love him. I said, Kwame, I'm so glad you called me because I do. I know everybody. What what are you looking for? (laughs) But he was looking for what Nikki. I said, okay, I'll go get my shots. And so while I was there, I met Queen Juanita and fell in love. I have a weakness for little old ladies, and I just fell in love with the queen. And she's coming to the States, and I said, this this is what I do for you. Now, we're celebrating the Christmas season, and he got, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when you come <laughs> to my st- <laughs> I am serving Utopia. We're going to open Utopia. <laughs> so I'm waiting on Queen Juanita. She, she's the queen mother of a small village uh, in, in, in northern uh, Ghana. And she's so wonderful. Just so I can't think of it other than my own mother who is not with me. I can't think of anybody else I'd rather open that beer with. Oh, I love yeah. that story. So you literally have a bottle of it. And I have it's a couple waiting. of bottles now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The secret's out. <laughs> Maybe I can win your heart for the second bottle, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, before we take our short break, I'm just going to read your short bio in the back of mm-hmm. Chasing Utopia, a hybrid. Nikki Giovanni, poet, activist, mother, and professor, is a seven-time NAACP Image Award winner and the first recipient of the Rosa Parks Woman of Courage Award and holds the Langston Hughes Medal for Outstanding Poetry, among many other honors. The author of 28 books and a Granny nominee for the Nikki Giovanni Poetry Collection, she is the Un- University Distinguished Professor of English at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia. We are Virginia Tech. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we come when we come back. You're listening to Living Writers today. Nikki Giovanni is here and she will be at Nicholas tonight at seven PM. So book it on your calendar. We'll take a short break. <laughs> Something I never knew I wished on the moon For more than I ever knew A sweet rose A softer sky An April day That would not dance away I wished on a star to throw me a beam or two I begged of a star And asked for a dream or two I looked for every loveliness It all came true Thank you. 
pushed on the moon for something I never knew. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, glad you did. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel today. Nikki Giovanni is here in the studio. Um, thanks to Stephanie for engineering and uh, pointing us the way and giving um, our, our uh, words wings here. And thanks to Michelle for bringing um, Nikki here to the studio. Um, and actually saying, hey, T, do you want to talk to Nikki when she's here? And Michelle emailed me, and I was like, hey, yes. Oh, I'm so this, glad. Then yeah. I thank Michelle also. Yeah. Um, Nikki, we were just listening to a, a beautiful song. Can you tell us a little bit about what it, it makes you think of? Or? Because that's Miss Holiday. Who I, I never had the opportunity to meet Miss Holiday. She had uh, died before I got to New York. But, uh, of course, my mother was a big, big, big Billie Holiday fan. So I don't think there's anything that Billie Holiday sings that I don't know. But... When I was a little girl, because uh, I'm, I was always the kid that was awake and wandering around and watching, I was trying to decide if there should be a book of mine. My, maybe my last book should be called Watching, because I always watch, something like that. But um, Mommy, we should do that. You know, come here, I'll teach you a poem. And it was the first poem I learned. I see the moon, the moon sees me. God bless the moon, and God bless me. And, of course, listening to Miss Holiday, because she's going to say, I wished on the moon for you, and that you can be... You know, we normally interpret that as, uh, you know, she's looking for a guy. But Miss Holiday, of course, was gay, so she wasn't looking for a guy. But whatever she was looking for, whoever that you is, you know, good for them. Yes. <laughs> Incredibly lucky. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what, and how, can you remember how old you were, Nikki, when your mom oh. said, come here, let's, oh, I want to tell no, you. We, we were living on Burns that. Avenue, so I, I, I was, you know, four Three, something like that. But at this point in Cincinnati, because you in Cincinnati, you said, so I was born. I was a Knoxville. I am a Knoxvillian by by birth, but we moved from Knoxville when I was two months old. They were just waiting for mommy. You know, in those days, you know, you you uh, had to be uh, still breastfed and things like that, and so you know, you just couldn't take a pregnant or a woman who just had a baby and moved. But my father had a job at Glenview School, and uh, that was a school for delinquent boys, and so my mother you know, of course, was coming uh, with him. And I think that that was probably a good decision not to leave my sister and me uh, with my grandmother or not to leave my mother and my sister and me with the grandmother, you know. And so they waited until she until uh, uh, she was able to, to travel. travel. And we took a train to uh, to Cincinnati. And... And you love trains. I was, so I, that was your first train ride. But, you, but yeah, do you have yeah. any? <laughs> I have no memories of that. Uh, so Mommy crazy. says, she said to me, and I remember that, baby, we're in freedom because we crossed the Ohio River. I have no memory. I just, my memory is that she said it to me. And, uh, yeah. And she told you later that yeah, that's, that, something that's what she, she said. The story she told you. Mm -hmm. And and you said you've you've said that you've come from a long line of storytellers. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, we we all. Well, you know, first of all, we're Appalachian, and uh, there's just nothing. Uh, America would not be America without Appalachia, and I I think that America, in many uh, respects, and I'm in a good mood and I'm happy, but we are an ungrateful nation, and. The people that have given the most to our nation have been the people we've laughed at. And mistreated. Sure. We laugh at black people. We certainly laugh even today because you're not allowed to laugh at Negroes anymore. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you back. We'll shoot you or something. But we still do laugh. Well, let's celebrate that. But we still do laugh 
at Appalachians that you can still do Snuffy Smith and, and that's supposed like okay to be funny or, or Little Abner and that's supposed to be okay. Huh. And these are great people. And still in America, the people who work the hardest and have the, 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 the natural riches, again, we're talking Appalachia, where would we be without Appalachian coal are the poorest people. But that's the truth on planet Earth. The, the richest nation, the richest continent on planet Earth is Africa with the poorest people. And so obviously we need to have some adjust. Those of us who have a lot need to adjust to the fact that we've been lucky and we've had a lot, but now the game is up. Because otherwise it becomes ugly. And why should it have to be ugly? Who, who needs wars? And that's what half the wars are about is, is who, who gets what. But there's enough to share. And, and that's one reason we're always, people like me, are always so f- just thrilled that youngsters go to college. And because uh, I'm a big fan of liberal arts. And I think it's important. I, I, I drove here over bridges coming from, you know, Detroit. And I want my bridges to, you know, not fall. <laughs> but it's still very important that we understand that we do these things for the comfort and, 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 and glorification, if I can use that word, of human beings, that we do things to make life a better life because we are born with an expiration date. Nobody needs to kill you. Nobody needs to do anything. One day you will expire. <laughs> you were born. You know, you don't know what it is, but, you know, you come out, the, your mom's there, and somebody says, okay, make that 2013. So, okay, boom. And so in 2013, you're gone. <laughs> Let's knock wood now. <laughs> but, you, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. And I think that people need to, you know, wear life a little easier because it's, life's a good idea. It's fun, and I'm a big fan of, you know, good food and, and, and good sex. And so I, and, I think that these things should happen. And wine. I don't drink beer. Well, Utopia. I, I keep it. I don't drink it. <laughs> <laughs> that is some safe beer right now. But wine, yes. and Definitely and, wine. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason. And I'm a Christian. I have no question about why Jesus turned water into wine. He could just as easily have turned wine into water. You know, he's God. He can do what he wants to do. But he made the right decision. A good, <laughs> solid red. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Um, Nick, Nikki, will, will you read a poem for us? Um, we've got from because we've got Chasing Utopia. We've also got a bunch of your other books here. Yeah. Oh, any, um. I would love to. You know, I'm um, I'm not the baker in the family, so I'm Southern. So biscuits mean more to us in many respects than rolls. But the only biscuits I can sort of make are drop biscuits, because when you make the hand biscuits, you know, to make them fluff up, that's just not that. My sister does that. I like to think that I oh, did that. I'm sorry. She's gone. I like to think that I'm too creative because in order to be a baker, you have to do things the same way. Very precise. Right. Yeah. And in order to be a poet, you do everything different. But I wrote a poem, Biscuits, Dropped or Baked. First, you harvest the laughter. Local is best, but sometimes you need a nationwide to really get the bellows. Mix a bit of dirt, not the serious hurting kind, but the kind you'll find in the beauty parlor or barbershop, parlor, parlay, biscuits, all the same. Then gently fold in some grandmother love. There's always a bit of grandmotherly love somewhere. Some days, though, I will admit it can be more difficult to find than others. Call a girlfriend for dropped or an old love for baked. Either way, you'll know when they're done. Oops, we forgot the salt. You can laugh till you cry or cry till you laugh. The salt will come. Crispy, brown, ready. Serve them warm. Remembering summer mornings before church or Sunday e- or Saturday evenings with fried fish. Biscuits always bring memories of home. 
Yeah. And so perfect on this winter day. <laughs> yeah. This is, you need biscuits. But some really, really nice goat butter. I'm a big goat butter fan. You goat like goat butter? butter. Yeah. I don't, I don't oh, think goat butter. Really tried that. You, you, well, you're here in Ann Arbor. I mean, there's you, got to be. You're in a farm butter. area. Yeah. You get oh, fresh goat butter. Oh, so, and it's different than goat cheese then? Uh, they're all in the same. Well, you don't goat, like goat cheese? The, I love goat oh. cheese. Yeah, but then you'll so, love goat butter. Because it's, you know, the goat, you squeeze, you know, you mash your tits. a video right now. Then you get that, and then you do different things with it. So, yeah, I, yeah I, I would like to have a goat. When, like, when, I don't know if you could just have a goat in the backyard. But. Yeah, no, we didn't. Uh, grandmother uh, didn't, but grandmother had a butter churn. And one of the things that I regretted when my grandmother died, and I don't know what happened to it, and she's been dead, you know, 30 years now or something. So, oh, no, actually, she's been dead 46. But she had a churn, and, and we would churn the butter. And then she would always put the salt in because it it was like a pinch, you know, and she would just know when just to do enough. My butter was always soft, which I, I still like. You know how some people can make butter and make it sliceable. Hold my it. butter was never sliceable. You would like my butter because it's on the cheesy level, but it's it's uh, runny. And do you have... so? Do you have a churn? I don't. Mickey? I, 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 lost, you I don't know what grandmother's... grandmother's uh, I, yeah, I don't... I guess I was too young. I think I was only 25 or 24 when grandmother died. And, and you were very close to her, too. I, was, I lived with grandmother. Every summer. Yeah. Oh, I, I lived with her during the—I mean, during the—my uh, father had issues, and it finally got to be a little bit more than I could handle. And I went and asked grandmother if I could live with her and go to high school, and so I did that. Yeah. And then you went to college early. I did go to college early. Because you're a genius. No, no. It's hardworking and— you know, you have to keep moving. If if you, if, if you keep slowing down, something bad will happen. Something will catch you that you don't want. Okay, so you kept occupied. <laughs> you just keep busy and see if you can't keep going. And it, is that when you actually felt like um, that, like writing that words were maybe a path for you? Uh, I never didn't. Uh, this is a terrible way to answer a question, and I mean no disrespect. I never didn't think that it would or wouldn't work. I just thought. Since that's what I do, let's make it, let's see if it can work. So when did you start doing it? Maybe that's a better question. Well, grandmother, what... of course, was a super, no, not of course, but this, these are things you don't know. It's too much history right now. But grandmother was very active. And so during the civil rights movement, grandmother would always say, John Brown is my grandfather. John Brown and I are too old, but Nikki will be there at the mart. You know, she, she would always volunteer me. And... I really, if I were a, were a uh, psych major, I would study the grandmothers in the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. and I would study the grandmothers in the uh, current athletic. When we look at the super athletes, you know, what we're looking at actually is boys who's, who are playing for their grandmothers. And when we look at the civil rights movement, we're looking at men and women who are picketing for our grandmothers. Because we could tell our parents no. If mommy had called me and said, I want you to go up to, in, in Knoxville, the big street is Gay Street. I want you to go up to Gay Street and pick at Richards. I could have told mommy no. Even then, I would have, Ma, I don't know if I should, you know. What are you going to tell your grandmother? Okay, you know. And grandmother, of course, was insane. I loved her so much. She actually, 
had me picking, I mean, I was with the group, I'm picketing Richard's department store, and she and Grandpa, because they didn't drive, you know, uh, they were of an age that didn't, took a cab to come up to watch me. So the cab is now blowing, and she's <laughs> waving at me, we're so proud of you. And I'm thinking, Grandma's going to get me killed. Well, you know, they didn't have brownies. I mean, you know, the camera, the, I thought, Grandma's going to get me killed, but how am I going to go home and tell her I'm, I'm, I'm more afraid of these people? I was more afraid of telling her no, so I had to go. And that made, and then that gave you courage. It, it, it just let me know who are you most afraid of. Right. <laughs> but, I'm not going to give myself credit for being a good guy on that one. It's just like I cannot tell this woman I can't do it because she asked me to do it. What I asked her to do, she did. So what she asked me to do, I did. And I would have been sad if I had gotten killed. But I'm. And th- that's really, the price you pay. And it and it really was at that. It was very level. dangerous. It was very dangerous. I mean, think about the civil rights movement. Yes, yeah. yeah. it was very dangerous. But how am I going to tell her, Grandmother, I'm scared? <laughs> Are you kidding? Whatever I've gone through, she's gone through more. And she's taken care of me. So, no, that's fair. I um, Maybe that's one of the things that might make me even harsh in a way. When When you ask people to do something, they say yes. Then when they ask you to do something, that's the answer. That's why I ended up in, in Ghana. How am I going to tell Kwame, no, I can't do it. I'm too busy. Everybody's busy. He was busy when I asked him to come for the Toni Morrison thing. So, you know, how am I going to say that? So, no, I'm on a plane because the answer to everything is yes, really, if you think about it. The answer is always yes. And it's a good thing because yes brings other yeses, whereas no makes you crazy and, and unhappy. <laughs> it really does. And yeah. once you start doing too, like once you did that, you, it's not like you can undo it, and and you you know what you can do. Yeah. Yes, takes you forward. I mean, I, I, well, I just uh, the answer to everything. I have a little foundation because I'm just a poet, and you know, poets don't have much money. And I but wish not I just a poet. Well, I, you know, but I I don't. I just have a small foundation, and the name of the foundation is the answer is yes. So that's what that's what we do. You know, we we send kids places. We you know, we do whatever it is that we can do because the answer is yes. You know, so when people ask us for things, uh, you know, I have a small board. And, you know, as I say, we're not we, we don't have that much money, but we have enough to be able to get some things done. And the answer is yes. If we can find a way to get it done, we're going to do it. Oh, and I, it just makes you happy. I mean, what would I be to have a foundation? The answer is no. <laughs> What's wrong with that? You know, that's why people do drugs and stuff. You know, you're crazy. They make you crazy. <laughs> the answer is write another grant. Or, right, or you know, go. No, no the, but it's the answer, the answer is, yes. is yes. Yeah, everything is yes because yes does take you into another into another step, and that's a good thing. You're happy with it, even when you can't get done sometimes, and you can't. What was being asked, your intent was. So you've passed on a good feeling, and it elevates everything. Even when you can't do it, it helps get it done. Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's what's the, can you, like, what's one of the hardest things that you've said yes to? Uh, I suppose the hardest thing is I've been trying to send these kids to Africa. <laughs> and um, I've got a couple of students right now, which I'm very proud of, in Switzerland. And black kids don't travel enough. And so uh, this isn't Nikki's thing for black kids to travel because I'm in Ann Arbor, and I'm sure most of your students have their passport. But I start my classes now with, do you have a passport? <laughs> yes. You know, And have you had your shots? Because we are in, uh, you got to have your shots to go to Africa. You don't have to have shots. But, but um, to go to uh, Europe. Canada. Uh, yeah. 
Or we we have a a, a villa in uh, Switzerland. Uh, we be in Virginia Tech, not. And so we we teach classes there, and I want more black kids to go. And black kids don't travel enough because they feel unwelcome. But as I say to them, hell, you're not welcome here, so you may as well travel. <laughs> I mean, you can't look, you look at Harper, but you can't look at it like, oh my goodness, nobody wants me. Well, where are you wanted? Right. Get over that one, and let's get out there and get it done. Send a postcard home. Learn to drink some champagne, and learn the difference between real caviar and that American stuff that they're trying to pass off as caviar. Which is terrible. This is listen up, everyone out there. This is good advice. It is we're, good advice. We're going to take a short break and then we'll come back um, to to talk more today on the program. Nikki Giovanni is here. Her latest, Chasing Utopia, a hybrid. You've got living writers. I'm D. Hetzel. We'll be right back. Don't you treat me wrong oh. Come and love me daddy on my floor If you're just tuning in, glad you did. Today, Nikki Giovanni is here in the studio. Her book, Chasing Utopia, a hybrid. Nikki, we played the Ray Charles. You did. (laughs) 
<laughs> I met Mr. Charles, who, as you know, was blind. And we were at a fundraiser. And so I went up, you know, because it's Ray Charles. I mean, I've been listening to Ray Charles since Forever. since he was sounding like, you know, Chuck Brown. You know, it goes, I mean, a long time ago. And I said, you know, because you have to touch blind people so they'll know you're there. And so I touched his hand. I said, Mr. Charles, it's uh, Nikki Giovanni. I'm a, he said, baby, you're that poet. I was just like, oh, you're kidding. He knows who I am. But Mr. Charles was a a, a, a great reader. And, uh, of course, he had, I mean, not of course, but he had read me. I was just incredibly thrilled, you know, because Ray Charles. You but, were... Nikki, you're also like woman of the year. You've got keys to so many different cities. I actually want to ask you about that later. So I was like, I don't even understand really quite that, what that entails. But, um, but yeah, and, and you weren't, like, I feel like at some point... Weren't you the the princess of black <laughs> well, poetry? Like yeah. like the like right like princess <laughs> royalty. All of those things are you know you're still a writer so you have to write and you're still a human being so you have to be sane and you know when people give you things you just have to say thank you you know and you have to open the door for little old ladies I mean they, you know I I don't understand <laughs> the so-called star syndrome but then I grew up with very sane people and uh, I value uh, in all fairness to myself my sanity and I know that you just can't get involved in a lot of things I still have another book to write you know what I'm saying and I want the book to make sense I don't want to be one of those writers that says, oh, I, I had a bestseller, you know, which is unusual for poetry. I've had three. And it's like, oh, I had a bestseller, so I don't have to put the work in. I think I have to put the work in. And what, and what does that mean, like the work? Oh, you know, it, we're back to my grandmother. I, I, I would never write a book that, that if grandmother would be here to read it, she would be embarrassed and say, Nikki, that was really lazy. Or what a stupid metaphor that was. My grandmother was a big reader, you know. And... What's important to me is is the people I love and and the people that I I, I wish the best. And I'm a big fan of black Americans. I think we're wonderful people. And so I try to bring my best. And I like it that uh, as a group, they they, they bring their best to me. And and back to Ray Charles, because I feel like you were telling us a story, and then I got (laughs) no. I'm just I I just met Mr. Charles. That was so (laughs) no. You know, the the best thing about being seventy. And somewhere there's another sort of thing in there that I know one day I'm going to have to write or, you know, be stretched out on the bed and somebody put a mic in my and, and talk about it. But I got to know the people of the previous generation and I got I get to know the people of the I get to know the kids. And so Lena Horn used to babysit my son. You know, and again, if I had been born in 1945, I would have missed Miss Horn. And, of course, she's from Albany, Georgia. Her family's from Albany, Georgia, uh, the Horns, and we are the Watsons, and they are the the kings. And so all of us are intermarried. So Lena is a sort of a a cousin, you know, but still didn't have to be nice. You know what I'm saying? She didn't have to be nice. And so meeting the people that that I was fortunate enough to, um, to meet, being able to have dinner with the people, you know. I only, and I say only, but I missed Lorraine Hansberry, who died, and I was so sad of cancer the year before I got to um, New York. And I missed, uh, of course, Mr. Hughes. So, um, because, you know, he, Mr. Hughes actually died because he went to the hospital. But, um, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what happened. Um, he ended up catching, I think it was, is it hepatitis that you, you know, mm-hmm. something? And he died. And yes. I was very, very sorry. I knew a lot of people who knew Mr. Hughes, and I'm the very proud uh, recipient of the Langston Hughes Medal. And I, 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 I just know that I would have 
just enjoyed sitting down having a glass of wine with Mr. Hughes. I just, you know, because he was a world traveler, and we, we like the same sort of things, you know. But I got to Antarctica, and Langston didn't, you know. So it's like, ha! I got to Antarctica. <laughs> and that would have been the first thing you said as Probably. you were even like decanting the wine. Yeah, yeah um, writers are, you know, competitive and it had been Langston. Guess what? I got to Antarctica and you didn't. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's great. It's a good thing you're not a birder because I could see you going around getting the most birds in a season. I, or I, I love birds. And one of the reasons I'm against wind power you know, as you mentioned that, and I am very definitely against wind power and incredibly disappointed in Barack Obama for a number of reasons. But one is that he won't shut down wind power because we know that we are actually devastating the eagles. We are we are murdering the, the eagles can't see them. I don't know if you've ever seen the wind power go. OK, the eagles can't see them, so they fly into them. And it's called bird strike. And Companies that do wind power are allowed to have a certain number of bird strikes, which I think is a really bad idea. I think that if 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 the the Lord didn't send the wind, I think that we have to do without it. What we we're going to have to find another way to power Earth. I'm a big fan of of uh, Mars, and I wish that we spent more money on on on, on being in space, and I wish yes, we we spent more money on learning how to take how to harness some of the solar energy because it's there. But wind power is just a old. You remember when you were a kid and your mom the pinwheel? Yeah, and you'd sit there and blow it. All that is is a bigger version of that. So in the words of Stevie Wonder, whom we're not playing right now, you haven't done you you haven't done nothing. All you've done is increased the power that it takes to do that. So why are we doing that? Because some people are being greedy. And what are we doing? We're killing the eagles. And when all of the eagles, the symbol of this great nation, what we all love, and we've all struggled so to make a greater nation, when that eagle is gone, then somebody said, well, what happened? Well, what happened is that we're stupid, and you're not supposed to let stupid people run things. Stupid people are to be told what to do. They are not out there saying, well, I want to make some money. Well, then go and dig some gold or go do something, but don't murder eagles or birds. I just thought I'd share. No, I'm, I'm glad you did, because I actually I did not know that about the eagles. So it's, that's It's in danger, it, 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 and, and anybody can. I mean, oh, I'm not telling I'll you. Take to, a look. Yeah, yeah anybody, yeah. You, can, you can do it. And, you know, I, I think that the president um, had an opportunity that he blew. I, I sincerely do. And I think that he blew it because he, as he himself said, I want to be president of all the people. Well, you can't be president of all the people because some of the people are not nice. Some of the people are crazy. Some of the people are greedy. Some of the people are mean. You want to be president of the future of this nation. You want, you want to be president of the dreams of this nation. And I think what we wanted from Barack Obama was a vision of where we could go. Not we're not going to go there in the morning, but we can. This is this. I mean, what we wanted was, was Abraham Lincoln without the war. We wanted the vision, and we just did not get it. We ended up with a drone. We ended up in a stupid war. We ended up, and 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 we, we haven't gone forward in a way that uh, I, I think we should have. We haven't approached dealing with prisons. I have a friend. Uh, he's in prison, Daryl Lamont Bailey. Daryl is listening in, and he's in prison for life. I know that Daryl did ugly things. I'm, I'm not an idiot. I'm not a fool, and I'm not blind. I know he did. But I know that life does not make sense. If we're going to put him in prison for life, we need to go back and say, okay, we're going to chop your head off. We're going to do something else. But we can't keep putting people in prison and putting people in prison to watch the people in prison. 
because we don't like them or we don't like what they've said. Or make it a business, like make it like, like it the, is a, a business, town, like the town's economy. I can't or... send a uh, I can't send a book to him. I have to send it. You know, I have to have a bookstore send it. I can't send him money, and I'm pretty much all he's got now because he's in his eighties and his people. You know, he doesn't know his great-grandchildren. You know, they're, they're gone. And we've been writing for the last 26 years. And so when I send him some money so they don't have stamps, I send it to Iowa. And the people in Iowa take their percentage and then send it. That's the truth. Well, that's, that's a horrible thing. I mean, it's called vampirism. It's how a did, bad idea. How, how did you guys meet? <laughs> because he wrote me. <laughs> Everybody who writes me will get an answer. And Daryl oh, wrote no. me. I, I wish you hadn't said that. I was, <laughs> I was trained that way. Yeah. And Daryl wrote me because he was trying to reconnect. He's been in prison since he was a, a young, since he was in his 20s. And he was trying to get a, a, a playground for his granddaughter in Chicago. And so he wrote, it wasn't just me, Nikki. He wrote everybody. But I know a lot of people. And I ran into Jesse Jackson. And I said, Jesse, guess what? I got this letter this from letter. this guy in prison. And he's trying to get a playground. There's no downside to a playground. Right. And I said, you know, and I, I mean no disrespect here, but I said, can little Jesse help us? Because I think of Jesse Jackson Jr.'s little Jesse. I said, can little Jesse help? And he said, oh, I'll mention it to him. And he did. Well, again, there's no downside. And so little Je- <laughs> Representative Jackson got the <laughs> playground. So Daryl thinks, you know, he has people writing me, which I have to say to them, I cannot do what you want, you know. But he thinks, oh, if you need something, ask Nikki. <laughs> so, well, because you say just yes. The I answer is yes. There are things that I cannot say yes to. I cannot send you a saxophone. I'm not allowed to, you know. <laughs> and, but we were able to get the the playground. And so we, he and I have been called. We were like, he's like my brother now. And I don't think that he's a nice guy. I'm not, again, I'm not fooling myself. And I don't think a lot of people are. But I know that we expect someone with Obama's sense and hopefully sensibility to try to find something different, to try to find a way to bring something new, if not for the people who were there, for the people that we are still putting in. Am I making sense? That maybe we can't do anything about the past because the past, we can't do anything about slavery or segregation, but we can do something about making sure it doesn't continue forward. It's not a new form of it. Thank you. And I think that that's so important. And I think America is such a good idea and I think that we have to really work on making sure we're living up to it. I think that that's the challenge of leadership. Yeah. yeah, that's leadership. And we're we're desperately in need of leadership, which we still don't have. You're a good leader. <laughs> I got more sense of begging people for votes. <laughs> Let's take a short break and we'll be back. We'll talk more today on the program. Nikki Giovanni is here, um, Chasing Utopia, a hybrid. Um, and thanks to Camille Collins for sending the book um, for Harper Collins. Uh, you've got Living Writers. We've got Stephanie Engineering. We'll be right back. <laughs>
Welcome back. Uh, you've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, I'm so happy to have Nikki Giovanni here in the studio. Um, Nikki, you'll be shortly after this. Uh, you and Michelle are going to get a bite to eat, and then you're heading over to Nicholas, yeah. right, for to, to do a reading tonight. And I'm excited about it. 7 yeah. o'clock. Yeah. And, and signing some books. We hope so. People have <laughs> questions. I'm always happy to. You, know, you say I'm a talker. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw you do, and you're a dancer too. I saw you do a dance, like the Rosa Parks dance. Oh, do, um, yeah, do the Rosa great. Parks. Do the Rosa Parks. And this I would is a call cool. me a dancer, but that was fun. Uh, Miss Parks was a lovely, lovely woman, and, and you I, knew her personally. Yes, I was very privileged. And again, it's it's just a question of the age. Um, I was just very privileged to know Miss Parks and to be able to call her friend. Um, was a high point in my life. She she was a wonderful woman. Did it make it harder to write the book, Rosa, that you wrote the children's the the children's book? No, Rosa? It, it, it's not a biography. I mean, there's there are um, some really good biographies on Miss Park, but um, I was invited uh, to write a children's book, which gave me another uh, perspective on Miss Parks. I mean, I, I, one, I was a big fan of Raymond's. I, I thought that Raymond got mistreated. I knew her mother. You know, a lot of people said Raymond, you know, wasn't a strong man. But Tennyson teaches us, Lord Tennyson, we also serve who sit and wait. And I think the hardest thing for Raymond Parks to do was to let his wife do what she had to do. I can't imagine. I mean, if I would be Raymond Parks and I would know that people wanted to kill my wife, I would probably cry myself to sleep every night. And Raymond couldn't do that. He had to say to her, no, it's okay. And, you know, I'm, no, I'm fine, babe. No, I'll cook dinner. You know, and I have, I have such admiration. What I actually did with, with Rosa was I looked at the date, December 1st, 19... Um, uh, uh, 50, uh, 50, 40, 40, oh, wait, where is it? <laughs> my it's, mind is gone. I've got too many dates. I was like 46, 55, 55. And I just wanted to show the day that she, what had happened on, on that day that she, uh, wouldn't give her seat up. Yeah. And there were many reasons people wanted to say, well, she was just tired. Of course she wasn't tired because we're only looking at uh, 60 days between the uh, um, in the innocent verdict on Milam and Bryant, who had killed Emmett Till, and yes. December 1st when uh, Ms. Parks uh, refused to give her a seat. Ms. Parks was also um, uh, um, she was an tired. activist. She was. She was. And, and the yeah. secretary of the and, NAACP. NAACP. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a lot. And I just wanted to get that for kids so that uh, kids aren't stupid. You know, my, my least favorite child children's book, and I hate it actually, is Clifford the Big Red Dog. And I teach <laughs> I teach kid lit, and I make my students crazy because they all read Clifford. Yes. And it's like, Nikki, memories of Clifford. why did you? Well, Clifford was the runt of the litter, if you recall. But he was so giant. Only at the end. Oh. When they go to get him, when the boy says, you know, to his father, can I get a dog? And the father finally says yes. Mm. The boy picks Clifford the red dog, He was, but he was the runt of the litter. So when they took him home, Clifford should have died in a day or two because runts of the litter die. And all of my students get angry. I teach kid lit. All of my students get angry. He didn't die, but he should have. And we should have learned something about love. You don't love something because it's going to be with you forever. You love something because you love it. And you love it to the best of your ability. And that will not change. It will not change what it becomes. Clifford dies and they bury Clifford. And the boy makes a vow to himself. But I will, in the words of Dolly Parton, always love you. I, I care, and though loving you is going to hurt, I didn't turn my back on the love that I knew could not last. 
the kids learn something. What do we learn from Clifford the Big Red Dog? We learn that if you keep a mutt, it will ultimately eat you out of house and home. And they go out. And it's the dumbest thing I've does, seen in my doesn't life. Doesn't he also go to school and stuff, Nikki? Like, does, there, he did like, a lot a of dumb no, things. I'm just kidding. I'm just, well, I, now I'm just... I do like, uh, no, I mean, it's a stupid series. I do like, of course, uh, Charlotte's Web. Because we knew that Charlotte was going to die. Oh, yeah. And we knew that some pig knew that Charlotte Wilbur was going. And he was like, why does she have to die? That meant that he had to live to take care of the little spiders that came. The kids learned something. That's a great book. Because you learn something about love, about going through your mourning, about taking responsibility as it comes to you. You learn something. And... American kids are being downsized. They're being made stupid. And, and I think it's, 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 it's a shame. I really do. I really, American kids are tough. And, and I think that we need to allow them to be so. And, and their brains, they are super smart. And they're, and they're being, like, in some ways, diverted in, into, I don't know. Violence. And, and, and yeah. you know, everything is fast and furious. And then, you yeah, know, I mean, like that's crazy. Fast and Furious 7 or something, yeah. which to me is like, that's insane. Insane. That's, Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> insane. I, I wanted to ask you about what, because you, you are, you are many things like poet, <laughs> activist, uh, college professor, yeah. all these things, plus interviewer or interviewer of Muhammad Ali. I did. Uh, well, I, I knew Ali when Ali was stripped of his, um, he's from Louisville. And when Ali was stripped from his uh, belt, he and I toured together. And Brenda liked me. That is amazing, actually. Well, like, he's you guys a good went poet, to- you know. And uh, he traveled by, by bus, and I traveled by flight. But I had my son. Because he wouldn't fly, right? No, he that wouldn't fly at that yeah. point. He wouldn't fly. I don't know if he flies now. But Brenda, his first wife, Brenda liked me because she, she trusted me. <laughs> and so I... I don't tell secrets. I, I, I'm the girl who keeps secrets. So I never said to Brenda, but I'm in one hotel and he's in I'm like, keep it track. There was a reason for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well Ali was, um, he's a womanizer, but uh, we all loved him. So it's yes. none of my business. He's not, <laughs> I'm happy for him. <laughs> but I have a photo of, of Ali. And of course, he, uh, the funny thing is he and Thomas, my son, we were at a, at a um, uh, studio shooting Soul when I was interviewing him for that. But Ali and I traveled together for a long time. And Thomas was running around. And I think I was one of those mothers that let kids run, you know, not going to hurt himself. And Ali got tired of him. He's a Muslim and he, you know, looks at men. You know, and he kind of picked Thomas up and whacked him on the behind. He didn't hurt him and put him down. And Thomas came up to me, Mommy, Mommy. I said, what's the matter? He said, ha-, he called him Hammond Ali. Hammond Ali hit me. I said, well, what are you going to do about that? You know, this is between you men. It had nothing to do with me. And he thought, and I could watch his little brain. And he went over. You know, Ali's a big man, you yes. know. And he went over, and Thomas hit him on the leg, you know, Ali, Hammond Ali, Hammond Ali. And Ali looked down and said, what is it, Thomas? And Thomas reared back his fist and hit him in the leg because that's as far as he could reach. <laughs> Ali fell out. <laughs> he just started laughing. I thought, well, let the men work. And I had nothing to do with me. This is between you men. I'm not, I'm not dealing. Of course, that was before Ali had his sons. And so, you know. <laughs> Thomas versus the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah, and I think Thomas won that one. <laughs> <laughs> that just shows what you could do, but with some passion. Well, you, you have to, you, you have to stand up for yourself no matter what. 
You know, that, that was, it was funny, though. But they, they were funny together. So, uh, Nikki, will you read us another one of the poems? Because I'm conscious of our time ticking oh, away. I'm a foodie. And so <laughs> uh, I want to read one of my foodie poems. This is called The Right Way. And it's because of grits. Being a Southerner, you are judged by your grits. My grandmother's grits are so much better than mine. Mine tend to be lumpy and a bit disoriented, though that is probably my fault. I always want to put one cup grits into four cups cold water with one teaspoon salt and start them all together. Grandmother did it the right way. She started with cold water that she brought to a boil, shifted the grits slowly into the bubbles, then added her salt. She also hummed while she stirred with her wooden spoon. I wonder if I should learn to sing. (laughs) I love that. What would she hum? Can you remember? Oh, you know, black women have that nonsensical, you know, that's not a song. It sounds familiar. You know, they're just just humming. uh, She wasn't singing the song. She's just humming. Mm -hmm. And you always knew um, my room was off the kitchen on the other side. So if I heard grandmother humming, I knew it should be up. I, I still, to this day, as I sit with you and I'm 70 years old, don't need an alarm clock to wake me up. You know, because I'm I'm just used to getting up at a certain hour. I, I turn over like between six thirty and seven. And it's just what I do because I I live with grandmother and uh, my friend uh, Ashley Bryant. And and if you ever get a chance, he comes here to uh, Ann Arbor. He's wonderful. Ashley is a children's illustrator and he's a great guy. And I went up to visit Ashley. Ashley's eighty five and. He has a school in Kenya that he supports and a school in South Africa. Oh, he's a wonderful, wonderful. And his new book is Who Who uh, Built the Manger. He, he he illustrates children's stories. And I went up to visit Asher because I kept saying I was going to come. And come and, you know, his house is a museum. And because he's a kid writer, he's got a, an, a, a line that runs. There's an airplane that runs from one end of the room to the other. And you pull it and the airplane flies. It's just a wonderful thing. And so I, I called him. I said, Ashley, I'm coming up. He lives on Alsford. And so you had to take the ferry across, you know. And I went up and we had dinner. And Ashley has all of the old ladies' bamboozle because they cook for him all the time. They, they think he can't cook. And so we went out to dinner and everything. And then the next morning he gets up at, at first, what he would call first light. He gets up at dawn. And he said, now I get up, you know, at, at 4.30 or 5 o'clock and I walk the beach because he collects beach glass. He says, now you, you sleep as long as you want. I've known people to stay in bed as late as 8 o'clock, so don't you... <laughs> I'm like, Ashley, <laughs> 8 o'clock is not late. But he always leaves his house open. And so I, I realized why well, you need to get up because I, when I woke up and it was about 7.30 because I turned over, there were people in the house looking. He never locks his doors. And he's right because if they wanted to steal from him, they would steal. What's he going to do? So <laughs> he leaves the house open. They can come in and people show, you know, do tours of his house. <laughs> Is that wonderful? Well, that sounds like he's a far more generous soul than where I am right now. <laughs> well, he lives on an island, first yes. of all. And um, I, I just, I could not leave my house open. I'm I'm, I'm a city girl. And so I, I'm going to close the door, you know, but I just admired that. And it's like, okay, that, that works. Uh, but Ashley's a great guy. And uh, he's leaving, uh, actually, uh, on his way to Houston. And when he leaves Houston, he'll be on his way to Kenya. And to his school. And he is uh, really the most um, generous person I know, just with his time. And, you know, you have to, if you have any children, grandchildren, you have to know Ashley Bryan because it's just what he does is, he's the one that that, uh, taught us about uh, colors and shades. He taught it at Dartmouth. And now he's retired, of course, he's 85. And so what he does with his time, 
is keep busy. And, of course, I, I can say that, too, though this is not Nikki's advice. But, but, but you but, have to stay busy. I mean, I can't imagine retiring. One day, tech is going to send me a little pink slip and say, hi, we're, we're sorry. You know, it's time for you to go now. Oh, they'll never say that. <laughs> Not to Nikki Giovanni. <laughs> well. No, they won't. Nikki, I have loved talking with you today. Thank you so much oh, for being you. here. And, and come back anytime. Oh, thank you. Give us you. a call or anything. Um, Nikki Giovanni, um, her latest, Chasing Utopia, a hybrid. Nikki Giovanni will be at Nicholas tonight at 7 o'clock. You've been listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time. Hello and welcome to the Daily Sports Report on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor here on Wednesday, November 2nd. My name is Jake Singer and I'm here with a full panel today. Kobe Siegel, William Gregory, Vihan Iswar, and Kellen Flynn. How are you all doing this evening? Great, great. Doing sweet right now. Oh, yeah, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. We're just waiting for Kellen to get back. Kellen, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm ready to chop it up. Let's go. Awesome. Well, there is a lot of news going on in the NFL. Yesterday was the most exciting day of the year, aside from both the Super Bowl and the NFL draft. It was the trade deadline. Now, in other sports, a trade deadline means big trades around the league, mainly in the MLB and NBA. You see trades going on nonstop. In the NFL, though, usually during the trade deadline, you don't see teams giving up draft capital. Draft picks are really coveted to NFL owners, especially a lot of the top owners in the league. But yesterday, you saw the most trades happen in NFL history. We have so many trades to go over with you guys. We have a full panel. There's five of us, so this is going to be a lot of fun. So I just want to get into it first of all with you guys to a few of my Lions fans and all you Lions listeners out there could be disappointed could actually be a little bit happy depending on what kind of Lions fan you are out there but the first trade I do want to discuss with you all is tight end TJ Hawkinson traded to the Minnesota Vikings for with a 2023 fourth round pick and 2024 conditional fourth round pick and the Lions gave up I mean, the Lions receive a 2023 second-round pick and 2024 third-round pick, so a big deal right off the bat. Interdivision rival going to Minnesota, but it's not the first time the Lions and Vikings have traded with one another. I'm just going to start off with you, Kellen. What do you think about this trade? Okay, so this is a very Lions move to make. So uh, 